Happy Easter, everybody. Welcome to Liquid Church Online. I'm Pastor Tim, and it's an honor to come into your home today as we celebrate Easter in the epicenter. Uh, hopefully you're at home and healthy, social distancing with your family. Maybe you're watching on Facebook Live or Church Online on your laptop or phone. Hey, you came to the right place. I'm excited to encourage you today. In fact, I always like to start with something funny. Can I share a joke with you? I heard about this Irish priest who was driving down the road when he got pulled over by a policeman. And the cop came to the window and the priest said, oh, what's wrong, officer? And he said, well, you were swerving all over the road, father. But as the cop leaned in, he, he smelled alcohol and he saw a bottle in the priest's lap and he said, father, what are you drinking? And the priest said, oh, it's just water. And so the cop asked to see the bottle. He took one sniff and he said, that smells like wine to me. And the priest said, good gracious, Jesus did it again. <laughs> Now listen, I'm preaching to an empty room, so I'm going to laugh at my own jokes today. <laughs> I hope you're laughing with me at home. You know, I think we all need a little laugh right now because this is a bittersweet Easter, isn't it? I mean, Easter is typically a time when we celebrate life and resurrection, but this spring we're surrounded by so much death and disease. You know, here in the New Jersey, New York region, God chose us to live in the epicenter of the COVID pandemic, and it is a global disaster bigger than World War II. New Jersey now has over 50,000 cases of coronavirus and over 1,500 deaths. And so some of you have people you love, family members, coworkers, neighbors who have died. And in our state, that's more than all those who died on 9-11. In fact, it's more than any state except New York. So we are in a hot spot this Easter. We're praying and asking God to flatten this curve. Amen? But I actually have an idea. I'm not praying flatten the curve. I said, God, let's crush the curve. Amen. Everyone say crush the curve. Type it in the chat. Crush the curve. Together, we are going to get through this, guys, and we're going to crush it. You know, at Liquid, we believe every crisis is an opportunity. And I really think this is a chance for our church to share and show the love of Jesus to our neighbors in need. And guys, I have thrilling news to report. This week, we received over 26,000 pounds of disaster relief supplies at our broadcast campus to help hurting families. We had that 18-wheeler from our strategic partner, Convoy of Hope, show up. Take a look. We unloaded 26 pallets of relief supplies, everything from diapers to sanitizers to uh, uh, prepackaged foods, cereal, spaghetti, sauce, bottled water. Guys, we got toilet paper, man. We got protein bars and muscle milk. So we are turning a, our church warehouse into a storehouse. Because guys, we have a heart to serve our neighbors in need during this pandemic. And we really want to help families in crisis. So this week, our small team of essential staff actually made something kind of cool. Take a look at it. Emergency Easter baskets. Now, I don't know about you, but in my house, Easter baskets always had like chocolate bunnies and jelly beans. But this is a sign of the times. This year, we got toilet paper and Clorox disinfecting wipes. We got all sorts of stuff. You know, uh, you can see spaghetti and sauce, cereal, diapers. And these are for single parents, senior citizens, families who are quarantined at home. Uh, church families like Ray Lynn. Ray Lynn is actually a widow and she attends our Essex County campus. And uh, she wrote us this. She said, I'm a widow and single mom. And she said, I know you're getting supplies, and if there's anything you can spare, even one roll of toilet paper, I'd love to be considered for anything. Thank you so much. Well, guys, I got great news to report. The church swings into action. Your church showed up on Raylan's doorstep this week. This is amazing. Check this out. 
we were able to deliver emergency Easter baskets full of relief supplies to Raylin and her son, uh, one of dozens of families, and we're able to pray with her. And here's something actually very cool. Because of your generosity, we were actually able to buy her groceries and pay her family's electric bill through our COVID-19 financial impact fund. Guys, in times like these, we have to step up and look out for widows and single parents, families in crisis who need support. And Raylin was so grateful. She wanted to thank you. She said, um, thank you. I know it's only words, she said, but I'm just so touched and inspired for renewed hope. I've had a roller coaster of emotions, one day good, another crumbling to my knees. Just after they exhaust me of what's required to go to the store and keep yourself safe. I appreciate all you've done and are doing on our behalf and all those who are touched by Liquid's grace. Guys, well, Ray Lynn, we love you. If you're in crisis right now, hope is on the way. Guys, our church, we got a simple goal. Here in New Jersey, we want to spread hope faster than COVID-19. Amen? Make some noise on the chat if you're with me. We need your help to do it. In fact, on Friday morning, our website went live so that you can either get help or give help. I want to encourage you to go to liquidchurch.com relief, and you'll be able to sign up to actually pick up emergency relief kits. So you get cleaning supplies, bottled water, packaged food, baby supplies. You'll actually see there's a whole list of things here that you can get and pick up next Wednesday, three to six o'clock. You can come by and pick up or on Saturday from 9 a.m. till 12 p.m. And it's actually a very simple kind of process. You just kind of drive up, you'll pop your trunk. We drop the supplies in and then you drive off. No muss, no fuss, no contact. Um, we're going to do grocery delivery. Actually, if folks can't go to the supermarket, we'll pick up your groceries. If you're a senior who you don't want to go to Walgreens or CVS, we'll pick up your prescription and deliver it to your doorstep. We also have Speak with a Pastor. Um, we established a live hotline from 9 a.m. to 9 at night so that people with anxiety or in crisis can call and get pastoral support. We want to be there and pray with you. Now, that's how you get help. But if you can give help, um, we can actually use your help this week. We need a small army of mobile missionaries who can deliver those groceries or pick up prescriptions or deliver a box of relief supplies to doorsteps around the community. You just pick it up from us and then you drive it to their home and drop it on their doorstep. So you can sign up to give help in that way as well. Um, you can also give to the COVID-19 Financial Impact Fund. Um, we created a special benevolence fund to give to families who've been financially devastated by this crisis. So single parents like Ray Lynn. Uh, we know many of you have lost jobs. Uh, we know people who have been furloughed or maybe you have a major gap in your income. And so when you give to this, guys, know your generosity is going to help buy groceries. It's going to pay an electric bill or emergency supplies. So if you gave this past week, I just want to thank you. From the bottom of my heart as your pastor, thank you so much. Your generosity is making a huge difference. And if you have the means to give, maybe you have a surplus in your storehouse. Just let me encourage you. Use it to be a blessing to those who have been hard hit by this crisis. Guys, this is not a moment for hoarding. It's a moment for helping our brothers and sisters who are hurting. Amen? Just remember this, guys. Social distancing is necessary right now. But relational distancing is not. Let's seize the opportunity to lean in and serve our neighbors in need. Because remember, guys, we're people of faith. Amen? We're not afraid. We are full of hope. And we know God's going to get us through this. Amen? Well, today I want to talk about how to celebrate a bittersweet Easter. Uh, you guys know what the word bittersweet means. It's like mixed. There's equal parts sadness and joy mixed together. And during this pandemic, I have found a lot of people asking, you know, Tim, where's God in all this suffering? And the answer, of course, is that he's right there with us on the cross. You know, the Christian faith teaches that our God became human, took on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. 
who underwent great suffering to bring salvation to our world. So we can have hope even in hard times like this. But there's not easy answers when God doesn't answer our prayers right away. And so I want to share with you a powerful story from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, which shows how Jesus responded when somebody he loved got sick and actually died. It's a man named Lazarus. And Jesus loved Lazarus so much that he actually raised him from the dead. So this is a resurrection miracle performed by Jesus before Jesus himself was resurrected. And I just want you to see how Jesus responds to tragedy and suffering. There's a lot of emotions we're going to go through here. There's, there's tears and anger, and it's mingled with hope and grace. And it really teaches us how do you hold on to faith when life is bittersweet? I mean, where do you find hope in a global pandemic when people are getting sick and losing jobs? Where's God in that? Let's read it together. John 11 verse 1 says this, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. Now you should know, in addition to his 12 disciples, Jesus had a few close friends. And part of his inner circle were two women, two sisters, Mary and Martha, and their brother Lazarus. They lived in a town called Bethany, and it was like home away from home for Jesus. Um, Jesus would visit and Martha would cook for him. She'd give Jesus a delicious hot meal. It was a place for him to kind of rest and recoup after ministry. But here we learn that their brother, Lazarus, was sick. Now, we don't know what he was sick with. Maybe he had a fever. Maybe he had heart trouble or cancer. Maybe he had difficulty breathing. We don't know. But unexpected illness hits their home. And I want you to see something. To be a believer, it does not exempt you from trouble, does it? Sometimes illness will hit your house, even though you're friends with Jesus. It says, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. So this is a major health crisis. Now, some of you can relate. I was talking this week to a close friend whose father tested positive for COVID. And within 24 hours, he was taken to the hospital, intubated, and now he's on a ventilator. And so we're asking Jesus to heal him. We're doing what Martha and Mary did. These two sisters have a sick friend, and so they send a message to Jesus. Now, we don't know if they sent him a text. <laughs> did they direct message him or email? But when Lazarus got sick, their first instinct was, call Jesus. Ask God to help us. And you know what? That's awesome. That's what we all do when somebody we love gets sick or suffers. And Martha and Mary, they had witnessed Jesus' miracles. They saw firsthand his ability to heal. And so they said, somebody call the doctor. Get the great physician. Dr. Jesus, come quick. Help him. The one you love is dying. Now listen to the tension here. When Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So understand, this story is to show God's glory. In other words, not everything we go through in life has a discernible purpose at first because God's timing is not like ours. And sometimes God doesn't always do what we want when we want him to do it. Amen? So watch this. This, this, is, this is the upsetting verse to me. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, this is a strange response. These two sisters who serve Jesus cry out for help, and Jesus is like, all right, I'll see you in a couple days. He just lets 48 hours go by. Like, doesn't Jesus see how serious this is? Doesn't he care about Lazarus? No, actually, he loved Lazarus. It says, Jesus loved 
Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And because of his love for them, watch this, he stayed where he was for the next two days. In other words, because he loved them, he said, I'm going to be late. What? Like that makes no sense. But how many of you know, God is rarely early, but he's always right on time. And he can even use sickness for our good and his glory if we'll trust him when we suffer. And this is hard to do. So watch how it goes. Verse seven, finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. So basically 48 hours later, Jesus shows up. But guess what? It's too little, too late. Lazarus is gone. He's gone. He's dead as a doornail. We can't imagine how painful this was for Martha and Mary. I mean, as the man of the house, Lazarus was their provider. And now he's gone, just like that. I mean, it's hard to imagine their shock, their grief. In fact, Vincent van Gogh painted a picture of them burying their brother. Take a look at this. Isn't that beautiful? You can see it on their faces. Mary mourned, but Martha here, she gets mad. We all handle grief differently. By the way, look at Van Gogh here. You can actually see in Lazarus, it looks a little like Vincent Van Gogh. It's because Van Gogh painted this while he was in a hospital trying to recover from mental illness. But what's amazing is, is when grief comes close to home and it hits you or I personally, we all handle it in different ways. And it says Martha got upset at Jesus. In fact, look at verse 20. It says, when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. Now, this is Martha who always welcomed Jesus into her home. She says, nah, you ain't coming in this house. I'm going to meet you at the gate because she's mad. She says, Jesus, I, I, you didn't come when I called you. I, I needed help and you left me hanging. Martha is so upset here. She's like, Jesus, I, I don't understand it. You didn't even read my text. You ever have someone they don't even read your text? Like it's one thing not to respond, but you left me unread. Martha is sad and Martha's mad. And she's like, I ain't letting this guy in my house. And by the time Jesus got there, Lazarus had been dead for four days. And you hear the pain in her voice. Jesus said to Martha, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Do you get it? She's like, I asked for help. I called you and you didn't even come to my house. You came to my house when I cooked, but you didn't come when I cried. You, you didn't come to the hospital, Jesus. You missed the funeral. You, you skipped the graveside service. My brother got sicker and sicker and my faith got weaker and weaker. Jesus, where were you? Can I just ask you, you ever go through something with the Lord where you just can't figure out what he's doing? Like, Lord, if you had only been here, he wouldn't be dead. There's a lot of Lord, if only's in this crisis right now, aren't there? Lord, if only you'd been here during this pandemic, my grandmother would still be alive. Or Lord, if only you'd been here, my father wouldn't be sick. Or Lord, if only you'd been here, I'd still have a job. Lord, if only you'd been here, maybe my business wouldn't be on life support, just struggling to survive. We all have our, Lord, if you'd only been here. This was a moment of acute emergency and Jesus is missing in action. So you understand Martha's complaint, yeah? That Jesus' delay seems to show a lack of love. Like in a crisis, there's a lack of care and concern on the part of God. But the scripture says this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, 
he stayed where he was for the next two days. In other words, it wasn't Jesus' lack of love. It's just the opposite. In essence, Jesus said, I loved you enough to be late. I didn't do what you wanted me to do when you wanted me to do it. According to the timetable you wanted. You know why? Because I love you too much, Martha. And I love Mary and I love Lazarus. And I didn't come when you called, but I love you even though I'm late. Now, I just, I just acknowledge, man, when I was getting in this text this week to preach this to you on Easter, I was like, I don't like this message. You know what I don't like about it? I don't like that Jesus isn't on my watch, <laughs> right? Because some of us think like Jesus is a genie in a bottle. Like he just, he just comes when we call. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And he often has a purpose in mind that we can't see in the moment. So I just came here to tell somebody who's at home struggling today, God loves you even when he's late. Even when he doesn't do what you wanted, when you wanted it, Jesus has something even better in mind. Because he says, Martha, I, I came today because I have something bigger than it's a miracle in mind. Martha, you called me to do a healing, but I came here to give a resurrection. I'm going to perform something that they'll be talking about forever and actually foreshadows my own resurrection. How many of you know that God does not set his clock according to our watch? In other words, the message of Lazarus is just because it's late for you doesn't mean it's too late for Jesus. In fact, you know what I've found? I mean, I've been pastoring people for 20 years, you know, through crisis. And I've noticed a pattern. Often God is rarely early, but Jesus is always right on time. Amen? According to God's time and God's purpose. Like even we sing that, right? Even when I can't see it, you're working, God. But to have that faith, you got to trust him like Martha. Martha was hurt. Martha was confused. She was upset. She's like, Jesus, I don't understand you. But watch this. Something snapped in her inside her soul. Even though she was disappointed like some of you are with God. Look what she boldly told Jesus in verse 22. I love this. Just watch this. But what's the words? Even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. I love those two words, even now. Can you type those two words in the chat? Even now. Martha had an even now kind of faith. She said, Jesus, I'm mad. Jesus, I'm sad. But even now, I know you have the power to raise my brother. Even though you didn't do it when I wanted it and why, the way I wanted it, even now, you have the power to raise him to life. You can bring hope into this situation. Guys, in this pandemic, we are waiting, aren't we? We're waiting for God to return health to our families, to return health to our country. The question is, do you have an even now kind of faith that says, even when I can't see it, I know you're working. I ain't gonna give up on my hope. I'm not gonna tank on my faith. I may be stuck in the house. I may not go back to school. I may dread going to work, but I'm a trust God even now when I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel because I know God is good even when life is bad. Amen? God is good even when life is bad. That's the hope of Easter. Look what Jesus told her in verse 25. Powerful. Let's read this together, church. I am the what? Resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. In fact, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. And then he asks her a question. Do you believe this, Martha? 
Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Now, this is a very bold, it's a very beautiful confession of faith because she's sitting here in her tears. She's sitting in her grief. And Martha says, even now, Jesus, I know you're the Son of God. And it's like, how can she say that? Because how, how can her sister Mary say that? Did you notice this? Mary actually has the same complaint. It says, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. So she's sitting there heartbroken too. She feels grief for her brother. She's like Martha. They're like, this doesn't feel like love, Jesus. God, we're disappointed you didn't do anything. We can't understand why you took so long. But now watch something. There's a pivot in the story. I want you to see this. It changes everything. All this emotion from Martha and Mary, tears and anger. And you might have assumed Jesus is like, everyone relax. I'm about to change things up. Uh-uh. Jesus meets them in their grief with tears of his own, with anger of his own. You ever think Jesus never gets angry? You're about to see Jesus get angry. He's going to get cranked up. For those of you who are wondering, where's God in all this? If God is all-powerful, why doesn't he stop the pandemic? Why doesn't he end the sickness and the suffering? Well, watch Jesus respond. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a what? A deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. And they told him, Lord, come and see. And then here's the powerful verse. Then Jesus wept. Can you say that? Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. The creator cries, which shows us we serve a God who cares. We serve a God who weeps at human suffering. Did you know that? Did you know that? In ancient times, the Greeks had a concept of a God that said God has no emotions. He doesn't get involved in the messy affairs of humans. And here we see Jesus weeping. He is deeply moved when his children suffer. So when people ask, Pastor Tim, where's God when life hurts? And the answer is, he's weeping with you over this pandemic. Jesus weeps over the sick. Jesus weeps over the suffering. Jesus weeps over those who've lost jobs and businesses. Jesus meets Martha and Mary's tears with tears of his own. Does, does that comfort you to know that when we grieve, God grieves too? Guys, right now, we are all going through a season of loss. Some of you, you've lost your job. Some of you have been in school, you lost your graduation. Some of you lost co-workers and friends. You know, last week we did our first ever virtual funeral. Because of social distancing, there are people who are dying and they can't be surrounded by their loved ones. We are in a season of loss. And that's hard right now. I just want to acknowledge that. We can't imagine how hard it is for some of you. But Jesus in that moment, even though he knew in 10 minutes everyone's going to be rejoicing, he still entered into it. I want you to think about this. Whenever you and I encounter tragedy and loss, we have no idea how it's going to turn out. But Jesus doesn't come to the tomb and he doesn't say, everybody relax, calm down. This is going to be just fine. Like, if you knew you were going to turn everything around, here's my question. Like, would you bother entering into the trauma, the grief and pain of their hearts? Why does Jesus do that? 
And the answer is because Jesus is perfect love. Come in here. Jesus will never close his heart on you even for 10 minutes. He doesn't say there's no point in entering all this grief. He goes there. And can I just say, there is nothing wrong with weeping at a time like this. Jesus Christ was the most mature person who ever lived, and yet he cried when he saw people suffering and dying. And so tears are not a sign of, of immunity or, or, or weakness or immaturity or something. In fact, I think the people who are most like Jesus, they never avoid grief. They enter into the grief to come alongside those who are hurting. There is something deeply Christ-like about that. And we want you to know that if you're grieving this spring, we weep with you. Our church sees you. We are here for you and we love you like Jesus does. Jesus wept and then he got angry. Did you catch that? Look at this. It says, when Jesus saw Mary weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Now, I just want to let you know the Bible's being polite here. <laughs> when it says he was, he was a little angry. The original Greek word here means to quake with rage. In fact, if you go back, the original Greek says to roar or snort with anger like a horse. Ever see a horse kind of blowing snow? <laughs> you ever see a horse snort? It's like, it's, it's hard to imagine, but that's what the word is here. This is very hard for us to picture, but I want you to imagine Jesus coming towards that grave and his nostrils flaring with fury. Now this is relevant for some of you because some of you feel sad, but I notice your sadness is starting to give way to anger. You notice there's a lot of anger right now in our world. People are angry about what's happening. And I think when they're suffering, people instinctively want somebody to blame. I've heard people blame the government. You know, we're angry. We're angry at the government. It's too slow to respond, you know. Stumbled out of the gate. Not enough tests or ventilators. It's the government's fault. They should have socially distanced earlier. Or, or they paused the economy and crippled my business. Or I know some of you got angry this last week. You know, I called unemployment. I got put on hold for three days. People are angry at the government. People are angry at the media. I've seen people say, you know what it is? All this round-the-clock coverage is making this worse. People are panicked. All this reckless reporting is just stirring up all this fear and anxiety. This week I heard people angry at the banks. <laughs> they were like, the bank wasn't ready last Friday with my small business loan. I'm trying to get payroll protection, a loan to bridge this gap, but the banks won't return my calls. I get put on hold. Very frustrating. Now I'm angry. It's a universal human experience. When suffering strikes, people instinctively want something to blame and fight. But Jesus shows us our anger is misplaced. Why is Jesus angry? Who is he angry at? The answer is he's angry at death. He's angry at the grave. Jesus is saying this is not the way things are supposed to be. Death and disease are not part of God's design. If the brokenness of this world bothers you, I want you to think about it, how it wrecks the heart of Jesus, the one who created all things and knew what it was like before the fall, before sin and sickness entered the world. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, first man and woman, they're walking with God in this uncorrupted paradise. There's no sickness, there's no death, there's no sin. That's the world you and I were made for. Guys, that's why this seems and feels just so surreal and unnatural. Your soul was not designed to endure sickness and suffering, disease and death. You and I were made for life. 
We were made for eternal life with God, but here's the problem. One man sinned. Adam and Eve actually sinned against God. And I get it. Some of you are skeptics and you're like, I I, I don't know about that. That seems far-fetched, him, or unfair. Like, how could the sin of one person end up infecting the whole human race? I want you to think about coronavirus. COVID started with one person being infected, and then it spread, and now our whole world is impacted. That's what sin does. It spreads like COVID, and it brings spiritual death, separation from God. That's what Jesus is mad at. That's why his nostrils are flaring. That's why he's snorting like a horse. He's about to fix, he's about to, let me tell you something. He's about to pick a fight with the grave. And he says, I am going to go to battle for my suffering children. Jesus says, I'm going to turn this death into a resurrection. I am about to interrupt this funeral and show you what my father has in store for all those who trust in him. Am I preaching to somebody? See, Jesus doesn't just weep with you. He battles for you with righteous anger, with righteous rage. He rages against the evil that oppresses us. And that's what you need to do with your anger. Don't get angry at others. Be angry at death. The poet Dylan Thomas, he said, rage, rage against the dying of the light. Guys, our world is dark right now, but this is our chance to shine even brighter. Amen? See, as followers of Christ, we believe Jesus can bring good out of suffering. Because out of the cross comes resurrection. Out of our weakness comes real strength. And God says, I know you can't even see it right now. But he's saying, I can bring something even better out of this pandemic. I can, th- I can bring something beautiful out of this horrible time. Think about it. What's changed for us? Everything's changed. Most things change for the worse, but there's some things that are changing for the better. There's a quote I've seen a lot of people posting on Facebook. It imagines this conversation between the devil and Jesus. And Satan says, I will cause anxiety, fear, and panic. I will shut down businesses, schools, places of worship, and sports events. I will cause economic turmoil. And Jesus says, yeah, well, I will bring together neighbors, restore the family unit. I will bring dinner back to the kitchen table. I will help people slow down their lives and appreciate what really matters. I will teach my children to rely on me and not the world. I will teach my children to trust me and not their money and material resources. Guys, can you imagine if God uses this pandemic to humble our nation and reboot our moral compass, to actually bring us together as one people? Instead of being like so self-involved and busy, we don't even care about others. Out of this death, we could see a resurrection. So you go ahead and you get angry like Jesus, but don't go blaming other people. Get angry as Jesus gets angry. This is how you handle your anger. He gets angry at Satan's sin and death because he's like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And he says, this is not the way it will be. Listen to the end of the story. This is just so good. Oh, I love, you feel it? It's a great story. Verse 38, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Verse 39. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. She said, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. (laughs) In other words, his body stinks. Lazarus has been in the tomb for 
over half a week and his body is starting to decompose. And can I just say the obvious? This pandemic stinks. Being stuck inside your house stinks. <laughs> being, uh, seeing people that we love get sick, it stinks. Business stinks. Not being in school or graduating stinks. But God says, I see your situation and watch this. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you'd see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside and then Jesus shouted. Oh, I love this. I wish I had a voice. Lazarus, come out. Now this is important because Jesus shouted this. Lazarus, come out. Now you're not here and so I'm raising my voice in an empty room, but you can say it with me at home. Can you say that out loud or type in the chat? Come out. Come out, dead man, because that's what Jesus says. He speaks to death. He says, I'm going to snatch him out of here and show you the way it's going to be. And it says this, the dead man came out. His hands and feet bound in grave cloths. His face wrapped in a head cloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Spit him out, death. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. Guys, can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine the, the jubilation? I mean, Mary and Martha both had to agree when all of a sudden, come out! And their brother came out. This is infinitely better than if Jesus had arrived early and just healed him. They would have witnessed the healing, but they got something better. They witnessed a resurrection and they realized Jesus loved us even though he was late. Even when we didn't see what he was doing, now we see. And all of a sudden, their grief and their fear, their anger and their pain, it had a purpose. And that's what God wants to do for you during this pandemic. Can I just tell you, as your pastor, no matter how long this goes on, for those who've lost someone you love, Jesus is offering comfort. For those of you who are sick and, and, and the healing hasn't come yet, Jesus is offering you hope. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus is saying, I am making all things new. Amen? That's the hope of Easter. Now, I get it. Some skeptics, you'll say, well, that's hard to believe, Tim. I mean, that's hard. I, can, I get this. I might even know if I believe this, but it's kind of hard to trust that Jesus loves me when I can't see what he's doing. How can I know Jesus loves me like that? You know what the answer is? You don't look at, at, at Lazarus' funeral. You need to look at Jesus' funeral. Because Jesus knew that to give Lazarus back his life, Jesus would have to lose his own. He would actually have to go through the ultimate suffering and death on a cross. That's how we know. On the cross, Jesus took the curse of sin and death. And we see our God of holy tears and righteous anger suffering in our place, in my place, in your place. In Jesus Christ, you have a God who is so committed to ending suffering and sickness and death that he took it on himself in your place. So when people say, where's God when people suffer? The answer is, on the cross, suffering with you. Out of great love and mercy, Jesus was willing to come to this world and experience human suffering and death so that you and I can have the hope of resurrection. Amen? Guys, it reminds me of a beautiful story you may have seen in the news. There's an Italian priest. His name is Don Giuseppe. You may have seen this in the news. He was 72 years old from a town called Bergamo in Italy. It was one of the big hotspots for the original outbreak of coronavirus. 
And Don Giuseppe was full of life. He actually was known for riding a red motorcycle all over Italy. Isn't that awesome? Priest on a moped. And sadly, Don Giuseppe contracted COVID. He became gravely ill because he was older. And he went into the ICU, difficulty breathing. And so his congregation actually purchased a special ventilator for him because the local hospital ran out. But incredibly, when the ventilator arrived, Don Giuseppe refused the ventilator. Instead, he insisted that they give it to a younger patient to save his life. And Don Giuseppe died, but that young man lived. And that made the news because who does that? Who does that in our day and age? See, because Don Giuseppe was a follower of the risen Jesus Christ, and because the love of God overflowed him, he voluntarily sacrificed his life so that a stranger could live. Because his Lord had taught him this, greater love, Jesus said, has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Friends, that is the supernatural sacrifice and love of Christ. And it is heartbreaking and it is beautiful. And it is a shadow of what Jesus did to save Lazarus, but also to save you. See, Jesus is alive, friends. He is alive, he is working, he is coming back. And in the end, he will work something beautiful out of this tragedy. We can't see it yet. Guys, can I just say as your pastor, I don't know why God hasn't ended this pandemic by now. But the fact that Jesus Christ gave his life for your life on a cross proves his love. Listen to me. Among all world religions, only Christianity dares claim that your God has suffered and died in your place. So Jesus may not be early, but he's always right on time. He's on God's time. And that gives us hope, amen? So just listen to me. Maybe you feel disappointed this Easter. Maybe you feel like Martha. You feel sad. You're confused. You're confounded. You're, you're, you're frightened. I think Jesus would say the same thing to you he said to her. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And anybody who believes in me will live even after dying. Do you believe this? Friends, that is a question every one of us must answer. I want you to imagine Jesus looking in your eyes and actually saying these words. Do you believe this? Understand something. Nobody gets into heaven because they're a good person or because their, their parents were Christians. It's not how it works. There's no friends and family plan when it comes to eternity. Jesus says, do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? You have to make your faith in Christ personal for yourself. Like Lazarus, you actually have to respond to the voice of Jesus. Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out. You know what I love? I read one commentator who said, why did he call him by name? Because if Jesus didn't say Lazarus, the whole graveyard would have emptied out. <laughs> I love this. Lazarus from his grave heard the voice of his Savior and he responded. You have to hear the voice of Jesus and you have to take action. Listen, I know God is speaking to some of you. It's Easter weekend, 2020. There'll never be one like it in your life again like this. And God is calling you out. You know what he's saying? He's saying, come out of your fear. Come out of your anger. Come out of your doubt. Christ is calling you out. He says, take off the grave clothes and trust me today. Trust him like Martha. Trust that he loves you enough even when he's late in your life. And that even when you die, guess what? Death is not the end. It's the beginning of eternal life forever with him. Do you believe this? That's what Jesus asked Martha, and it's what he's asking you right now.
Can I get personal? I'm going to get up in your business a little bit. Can I just ask you? I mean, guys, you know, there's uncertainty, and I'm not an alarmist. We're social distancing. We're starting to see the impact of that, praise God. But I just want to ask you personally, when your time comes, that may be seven months, it may be seven years, 70 years, when your time comes and that casket closes, the next time you wake up, will you hear the voice of Jesus calling your name? Tim, get up. Get up, Tim. Get up and come out. Because whose voice you hear in that moment determines where you spend eternity. Resurrection to eternal life with God. That's the hope. That's the promise of Easter. It's a promise of life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I want to give you a chance to make him your Lord and Savior right now. I would be remiss if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Why would you not do that now in the middle of a pandemic? This is a complex thing, but it's very simple to make Jesus your Savior. We call it salvation, and it's as simple as ABC. The first thing you do is, A, you just admit your sin. You know, I realize like sin is not a popular word in our world, but it's reality, isn't it? God created you and me for that perfection that Adam enjoyed, but we've all fallen short. We're all infected with the sin virus. The Bible actually says if you claim to be without sin, you deceive yourself. The truth isn't in you. So salvation begins with A, admitting your sin, but then B, it's believing in Jesus. That on the cross, he died in your place out of great love to forgive you. And out of mercy, when he was raised from the dead, he says, I can give you the power now to have eternal life to everybody who trusts in me. You know what the Bible says? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, here's the promise, you will be saved. B, you believe in Jesus' death and resurrection. And then C, you commit to follow Christ with your whole heart. Friends, this is not a one-time decision I'm asking for. This is a whole heart commitment you are deciding today to live the rest of your life for the glory of God. Jesus was raised back to life and he wants to live his life through yours. He's alive. He'll put his Holy Spirit in you. He'll give you a new power to live for him. Not perfectly, but with God's peace and power, not your own. So those are the ABCs of salvation. That's how you become a Christian, how you move from death to life by putting faith in Christ. And so this is a Lazarus moment for some of you. You know, maybe as I've been talking, you tuned in because, well, it's Easter. I'll watch church online but I know God's been speaking to you. He's been saying your name. Melissa, Nathan, Todd, Jennifer, come out. Come out of your fear. Come out of your doubt. Come to me with your tears and your anger, and I'll give you my hope and my grace. Let's receive it right now. Wherever you are, just put your hands out in the posture of receiving, and let's just pray together. Just pray out loud wherever you are. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Even when I can't feel it or see it, I believe it. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I believe you suffered for me. Forgive me for my sin. I turn from it now. And Jesus, I believe you were raised from the dead. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior today. On Easter 2020, I believe I put my full faith in Jesus Christ. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. I am yours forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Guys, wherever you are, let's just give God a praise for new believers. We've had people joining the family. Praise them in the chat room. Raise the roof a little bit. It is Resurrection Sunday, and you've joined the family of God through faith in Christ. I love you. I'm praying for you, and we as a church are here to support you as you begin following Jesus.